After reciting the Tashahud, Ta'awuz, and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih the Fifth, Ayyadahullah Ta'ala bin Nasir al-Aziz stated that today I will resume the series of the accounts of the lives of the Badri companions of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, that is, the companions who took part in the Battle of Badr. And due to the recent tour of various jalsas, i.e. annual conventions, there came a break between the series, and the last sermon that I delivered on the accounts of the lives of the companions was on the 20th of September. In that sermon, I mentioned Hazrat Khudayb bin Adi radiallahu ta'ala anhu. However, there were some narrations from his account that were left. It was mentioned in that sermon that at the time of his martyrdom, Hazrat Khubay bin Adi radiallahu ta'ala anhu requested Allah the Almighty to convey his salam, or his greetings of peace, to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. In any case, these people were of a very lofty status and had attained the nearness of Allah the Almighty. And from this incident, we also learn how Allah the Almighty treated them because when he requested Allah the Almighty to convey his salam to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, as there was no one else to do so, then Allah the Almighty did indeed convey his salam to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him at the time, was sitting with his companions and replied with Wa'alaikum as-salam and informed the companions about his martyrdom.
After the martyrdom of Hazrat Khubay bin Adi radiallahu ta'ala anhu and his companions, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, commanded Hazrat Amr bin Umayyah radiallahu ta'ala anhu to go to Mecca and to kill Abu Sufyan, who was the chief instigator of this cruel act, and he was now deserving of this punishment. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, also appointed Hazrat Jabbar bin Sakhar Ansari radiallahu ta'ala anhu to go along with Hazrat Amr bin Umayyah. Both of these companions tied the camels in a pass in the valley of Yajid, which is situated eight miles from Mecca, and then entered Mecca during the night. Hazrat Jabbar ta'ala anhu expressed his desire to Hazrat Amr ta'ala anhu that if they could have the opportunity to perform the wa'af and perform circuits of the Kaaba and offer two rakats of prayer at the Kaaba. Hazrat Amr ta'ala anhu replied, that it was a custom of the people of Quraysh that after finishing the evening meal, they would sit in their courtyards at night, and therefore he feared lest they got caught. Hazrat Jabbar anhu replied that inshallah, God willing, that will not happen. And so Hazrat Amr anhu states that we then performed the tawaf and offered the two rakats of prayer, and thereafter we went forth in search of Abu Sufyan. Hazrat Amr bin Umayyah radiallahu ta'ala anhu further narrates that by Allah we were walking when a Meccan saw me and recognized me and said that this is Amr bin Umayyah, surely he must have come with some evil intent. Upon this I told my companion to take caution and that we should leave from here at once. And so we quickly came out of there and climbed a mountain the people also followed us. However, when we reached the peak of that mountain, they gave up and returned. Later, we came down and entered a cave in the mountain and gathered some stones and stacked them up and we spent the night there. And the next morning, one of the Quraysh approached by as he was walking with his horse on that route. And so we hid back in the cave. It was then that I thought to myself that if he has seen us, then he will create an uproar. And so it will be best to kill him now. Hazrat Amr anhu further narrates that I had a dagger which I had prepared for Abu Sufyan. I struck that person's chest with the dagger upon which he yelled such a loud cry that even the Meccans also heard his voice. Hazrat Amr bin Umayyah anhu further narrates that I once again returned to my spot and hid myself. The people quickly rushed to him while he was taking his last breaths and they asked him that who attacked him. He replied that it was Amr bin Umayyah. Following this, death overtook him and he died on the very spot and was unable to inform them of where we were. In those days, this was the custom that if the enemies would become aware of someone's presence, then they would be killed due to the severe enmity that existed between one another. Therefore, since they suspected that he had seen them and so he may inform them about them, as a result of which the disbelievers would come after them and kill them. Hence, before such a thing like this could happen, he did this in self-defense. But in any case, Hazrat Amr bin Umayyah further states that he was unable to inform them of where we were, and so they picked him up and took him away. He says that at night I said to my companion that we are safe now. Hence, we set off during the night to go from Makkah to Medina. 
and passed by a party which was guarding the body of Hazrat Khubair bin Adi radiyallahu ta'ala anhu. One of them from among that party saw Hazrat Amr bin Umayyah radiyallahu ta'ala anhu and said, that by God I have never seen anyone walk so similar to that of Amr bin Umayyah's style of walking. And if he was not in Medina, then I would say that surely this is Amr bin Umayyah. And so we find that even here Allah the Almighty cast a veil over their eyes. Hazrat Amr bin Umayyah radiyallahu ta'ala anhu then further states, and when Hazrat Jabbar radiyallahu ta'ala anhu reached the plank of wood on which Hazrat Khubayb radiyallahu ta'ala anhu was hung, he quickly picked it up and ran away and the members of this party started to chase after him. In another narration it is mentioned that they were intoxicated with alcohol, and some were drunk, some were awake, while some were asleep, and others were in a state of drowsiness. But in any case, they did not realize, and so they quickly took the body and ran away. When they became aware of this, they chased after them, until Hazrat Jabbar reached a fast-flowing stream near the Mount Yajij, and he threw this plank of wood into the stream. These group of men pursuing them also arrived there. However, Allah the Almighty had caused this plank of wood to remain hidden from the sight of the disbelievers, and they were unable to find it. Hazrat Amr ta'ala anhu further states, that I said to my companion, that is Hazrat Jabbar ta'ala anhu, that he should leave this place and ride away on his camel, and that I will prevent these people from coming after you. Hazrat Amr ta'ala anhu says that I then started walking until I reached the Mount Yajnan, which is situated at a distance of 25 miles from Mecca. I took shelter in a cave, and I left the cave until I reached the area of Arj, which is at a distance of 78 miles from Marina. He then says that I then continued to walk until I reached the area of Naqi, which is at a distance of approximately 60 miles from Medina. And there I saw two men from among the idolaters of Quraysh, who were sent to Medina as spies by the Quraysh. I said to them that they should lay down their arms, as it had now become evident that they had come to spy. However, they did not agree, and subsequently a fight broke out. As Amr bin Umayyah relates that I struck one with an arrow and killed him, and imprisoned the other, and shackled him and brought him back with me to Medina. According to another narration, Hazrat Amr bin Umayyah Zamri radiallahu ta'ala anhu relates, and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, sent him alone as an emissary in order to take Hazrat Khubayb down from the plank of wood. He says, At night I approached that place and climbed the plank of wood on which Hazrat Khubayb was hanging from, and I was scared that someone might see me. When I released the plank of wood, it fell to the ground, and following this, the plank of wood vanished as if the ground had swallowed it. And from that time until today, there is no mention of the bones of Khubayb. According to yet another narration, Hazrat Amr bin Umayyah Zamri radiallahu ta'ala anhu relates that when I released Hazrat Khubayb radiallahu ta'ala anhu from the ropes and laid him down, I heard a noise behind me, and when I turned round again, I was unable to see anything, and the body of Hazrat Khubayb radiallahu ta'ala anhu had disappeared from my sight. Hence, the first narration seems more authentic, that when they chased them, he threw it into the river, and that the river washed the body away or that the stream or the flow of the water took the body away. Hence, there are various narrations, but nevertheless, he became known by a title which meant one whose body disappeared in the earth, and no one was able to find it. The disbelievers who wanted to mutilate his body were unable to do so, and Allah the Almighty protected it.
There is a narration in regards to the incident of the imprisonment of Hazrat Khubayb radiallahu ta'ala anhu which is as follows. Maviya, who was the freed slave of Hujayb bin Abu Ihab in Makkah, and Khubayb radiallahu ta'ala anhu was imprisoned at her house so that he may be killed as soon as the sacred months had passed. Maviya accepted Islam later on and proved to be a good Muslim. She states that by God I have not seen anyone better than Hazrat Khubayb radiallahu ta'ala anhu. She says that I used to observe him from the door and he was shackled in chains. And according to my knowledge, there was not even a seed of grape to eat on the face of the earth. In other words, there was no grapes in that area. And yet, Hazrat Khubayb radiallahu ta'ala anhu used to have a bunch of grapes in his hand that was the size of a person's head. I.e. it was a large bunch of grapes. And she says that this indeed was nothing but the provisions granted to him by Allah the Almighty. She further states, that Hazrat Khubayb radiallahu ta'ala anhu would recite the Holy Qur'an during the Tahajjud prayer and women would cry upon hearing it and feel sympathetic towards Hazrat Khubayb radiallahu ta'ala anhu. She says that once I asked Hazrat Khubayb radiallahu ta'ala anhu that, O oh Khubayb, do you have any need? Upon this he replied that I do not. Indeed there is one thing and that is that please give me cold water to drink and do not give me any meat that has been slaughtered in the name of idols. That is, do not give him any food that has been slaughtered in the name of their idols. Thirdly, inform me when they decide when it is that they wish to kill me. Mavia states that following this, once the sacred months had passed, and once people had agreed on the killing of Hazrat Khubayb radiallahu ta'ala anhu, I went to him and informed him of this. And by God, he did not care the least about being killed. He said to me that send a razor to me so that I can make myself presentable. She then states that I sent this razor in the hands of my son Abu Hussein. It is stated that this was not her real son or biological son, but rather she had only brought him up. And so she further states that when my son left, a thought suddenly came to me that by God, Khubayb has found his opportunity to exact revenge. My son is now with him, the razor is in his hands, and he will take his revenge. What have I done by sending the razor with it? Khubayb will kill this child with a razor and say that life in exchange for life. The more common narration in relation to this incident states that the child was playing and found his way to him and that Khubayb radiallahu ta'ala anhu had a razor in his hand at the time. However, in this particular narration it states that the child was mature enough that it was possible to have something sent through him and hence she did so. She further states that I thought that he will go to Khubayb i.e. the son will go to Khubayb radiallahu ta'ala anhu and he will say that fine, if they are going to kill me then I will kill him as well. Following this, she says that when my son went to him with the razor, he took it and in a light-hearted manner Hazrat Khubayb radiallahu ta'ala anhu said to the child that he was very courageous and said, is your mother not worried about my betrayal that she sent you with a razor to me? Even though your people have decided to kill me. Hazrat Maviya says that I was listening to these words of Khubayb radiallahu anhu and I said, O Khubayb, I remained fearless from you due to the protection of Allah and I sent this child to you with a razor whilst placing my trust in the being that you worship and I did not send it so that you may kill my son with it. Hazrat Khubayb radiallahu ta'ala anhu replied that I am not like this and would not kill him. We do not consider betrayal lawful in our religion. She says, Following this, I informed Khubayb radiallahu ta'ala anhu that people will take him out from here tomorrow morning and will kill him. 
And so the following day, people shackled him in chains and took him to Tanin, which is a place located at a distance of three miles from Makkah towards Medina. The children, women, slaves and many people from Makkah had gathered to see Khubayb's murder. And no one remained in Makkah according to this narration. She further states that some people were there to seek revenge for their elders who were killed in the battle and others who were there not to seek revenge instead were enemies of Islam and wished to watch his execution and take joy from it. When they took Hazrat Khubayb along with Zaid bin Dasna to Tanim, the idolaters instructed that a long piece of wood should be dug into the ground. And when they brought Hazrat Khubayb near this piece of wood, he asked permission to offer two rakats of prayer. And so they allowed him to do so. Hazrat Khubayb then offered two rakats of voluntary prayer and kept them brief and did not prolong them at all. All of the aforementioned details have been mentioned in this narration by this lady. According to the narration that has just been presented with reference to Ibn Isad, Maviya was a freed slave of Hujair bin Ihab, in whose house Hazrat Khubayb was held as a prisoner. And according to Alama ibn Abdul Bar, Hazrat Khubayb was imprisoned in the house of Uqba, and Uqba's wife was providing food for him during this time, and she would open Hazrat Khubayb from his shackles when it was time to eat. Alama ibn Asir Jazwi writes that Hazrat Khubayb was first among the companions who was crucified for the sake of Allah the Almighty. That is, he was tied to a piece of wood that was dug into the ground and he was subsequently martyred. Hazrat Muslimah has written about this incident of Hazrat Khubayb martyrdom. He states that Abu Sufyan, the chief of Mecca, was also among those who came to witness the killing. He stepped forward and addressed Zaid radiallahu ta'ala anhu saying that do you not prefer that instead of you Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam was here and you comfortably remain in your home? Zaid radiallahu ta'ala anhu furiously responded Abu Sufyan, what are you saying? By God I would rather die if even a thorn were to harm the foot of the Holy Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam on the streets of Medina. Upon hearing this, Abu Sufyan was greatly astounded by this response of great devotion and looked upon Zaid in utter astonishment and murmured under his breath that God is witness that no one loves any human being as much as the companions of Muhammad love him. Thus, this was the standard of love and devotion of the companions. May Allah be pleased with them towards the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. They were willing to sacrifice their lives for him. And on the other hand, Allah the Almighty's treatment with them is also evident. At the time of his martyrdom, his last words were that when I am being martyred in the cause of Islam as a Muslim, I care not as to which flank I fall upon after being martyred. All of this is for the sake of Allah the Almighty. Therefore, 
Such were his standards of love and devotion. Before he was martyred, his only desire which he expressed was to offer nafil prayers before his Lord. And he also desired that his greetings of peace, a.s. salam, to be conveyed to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And subsequently, God Almighty fulfilled that desire as well. He loved the Holy Prophet so much that it was unbearable for him to even imagine that his life was spared in return for a thorn harming the feet of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. He cared immensely for the slightest affliction upon the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and was never concerned about his own life. It was for this very reason that these people were able to attain the pleasure and acceptance of Allah the Almighty. The next companion to be mentioned is Hazrat Abdullah bin Abdullah bin Ubay bin Sulul radiyallahu ta'ala anhu. Hazrat Abdullah radiyallahu ta'ala anhu was from Banu Uf, a branch of the Khazraj tribe of the Ansar. And he was the son of the chief of hypocrites, Abdullah bin Ubay bin Sulul. Hazrat Abdullah radiyallahu ta'ala anhu was a very sincere, loyal and devoted companion of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. His mother's name was Khola bin Munzir. During the days of ignorance, i.e. prior to the advent of Islam, his name was Khubab. However, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, changed his name to Abdullah and stated that Khubab is Satan's name. Salul was the name of Abdullah bin Ubay, i.e. the chief of the hypocrite's paternal grandmother, and she belonged to the Khuzar tribe. Ubay was known by his mother's name and therefore he was called Abdullah bin Ubay bin Salul. Abdullah bin Ubay bin Sulul was the son of Abu Amir Rahab's maternal aunt and Abu Amir was among those people who would speak about the advent of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him that a prophet will emerge in the near future and he used to express his belief in this prophet and would take an oath before the people that he was surely going to appear. During the days of ignorance i.e. prior to the advent of Islam Abu Amir started to wear rough clothes and adopted a life of seclusion when Allah the Almighty sent his Prophet وسلم, and instead of accepting him as he advised others, the opposite happened and he became jealous. He would rebel against the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and persisted in his state of disbelief. When he accompanied the idolaters to fight against the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, during the Battle of Badr, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, lab labelled him as Fasik, i.e. transgressor. The following names are mentioned amongst the children of Hazrat Abdullah radiallahu ta'ala anhu. They are Ubada, Juleha, Khesma, Khawali and Umama. Hazrat Abdullah radiallahu ta'ala anhu accepted Islam and was very devout in his belief. He was considered amongst the prominent companions of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Hazrat Abdullah radiallahu ta'ala anhu fought alongside the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, during the Battle of Badr, the Battle of Ahud and all other battles. He was able to read and write and Hazrat Aisha ta'ala anha has narrated sayings of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him through him. He also had the honour of being one of the scribes of the Holy Quran. It is narrated that Hazrat Abdullah ta'ala anhu's nose was severed during the battle of Ahad and the Holy Prophet peace be upon him instructed him to get it replaced with a nose made of gold. On the other hand, according to another narration, Hazrat Abdullah ta'ala anhu lost two teeth during the battle of Ahad 
and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, instructed him to get teeth made of gold as a replacement. The narrator of this tradition states that this particular narration about the two teeth is more famous and authentic, and it seems that way as well. At times, certain narrators tend to exaggerate, or the message is not properly understood. And so the narration about the teeth seems more accurate, in that he lost his two teeth, and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, instructed him to replace them with teeth made from gold. Even in those days, they would place a crown on the teeth. Abu Sufyan had challenged the Muslims during the Battle of Ahud that the following year they will face each other again at the location of Badr. Whilst mentioning this incident in his book The Life and Character of the Seal of the Prophets, Hazrat Mizza Bashir Ahmed Sahib anhu, has consulted various historical sources and presented the following details. He writes, In the events of the Battle of Ahud, it has already been mentioned that while returning from the battlefield, Abu Sufyan challenged the Muslims to both parties meeting again and the following year at Badr. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, announced his acceptance of this challenge. Hence, the next year, in 4 Hijri, at the end of the month of Shawwal, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, set out from Medina with a force of 1,500 companions and appointed Abdullah bin Abdullah bin Ubay as the Amir in his absence. On the other hand, Abu Sufyan bin Harb also set out from Makkah with an army of the Quraysh consisting of 2,000 men. However, despite the victory at Ahad and a force this large, his heart was fearful and even though he was bent upon the destruction of Islam, he wished not to confront the Muslims until he could gather a more significant force. As such, he was still in Makkah when he dispatched a man by the name of Noam who belonged to a neutral tribe towards Medina and emphatically instructed him that in any way possible he should intimidate and threaten the Muslims and craft fabricated stories to hold them back from setting out for war. Hence, this individual came to Medina and crafting false stories of the preparation, strength, zeal and fury of the Quraysh created a state of unrest in Medina. This was carried out to such an extent that various people of weaker dispositions began to harbour fear in taking part in the battle. However, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, encouraged the Muslims to go forth and in his address he stated, We have already accepted the challenge of the Quraysh and we have promised to set out on this occasion. Therefore we cannot turn back. Even if I am required to go alone, I shall go and stand firm in the face of the enemy. As a result, the fear of the people was dispelled and they, and they became prepared to set out in the company of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, with great zeal and sincerity. In any case, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, set out from Medina with 1,500 companions and on the opposing end, Abu Sufyan set out from Makkah with his 2,000 warriors. However, the power of God was such that the Muslims reached Badr according to their promise but the army of the Quraysh came out to some distance and then retreated to Mecca. The account is that when Abu Sufyan learnt of the failure of Noem, he became fearful in his heart and having travelled some distance, he retreated with his army and admonished them that this year the famine is very severe and people are facing financial difficulty. Therefore, it is not wise to fight at this time, 
and we shall attack Medina with greater preparation when a time of affluence is at hand. In any case, the Muslim army stayed at Badr for eight days and since a carnival would take place there every year at the beginning of Zulqadah, during that carnival, many companions engaged in trade and were able to generate significant profits. As a matter of fact, in this eight-day business venture, the companions were able to multiply their initial capital twofold. And when the carnival came to an end and the army of the Quraysh did not arrive, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, departed from Badr and returned to Medina. And the Quraysh returned to Mecca and began to prepare for an attack upon Medina. This ghazwa, i.e. this battle, is known as the ghazwa of Badr al-Mu'ayd. Hazrat Abdullah anhu was martyred in 12 Hijri in the Battle of Yamama during the era of Hazrat Abu Bakr anhu. There is a narration in Sahih Bukhari regarding Hazrat Abdullah anhu's father, Abdullah bin Ubay bin Salud. There are certain narrations which perhaps are not directly related, however I present them in any case because one is able to acquire an understanding of Islamic history as well. Hazrat Usama bin Zaid radiyallahu ta'ala anhu relates that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was once riding on a donkey on which a sheet of cloth made from fadak was placed upon it. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, sat Hazrat Usama bin Zaid radiyallahu ta'ala anhu behind him and they were travelling to visit Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah radiyallahu ta'ala anhu who was unwell and was residing in the neighbourhood of the Banu Haris bin Khazraj. This incident took place prior to the Battle of Badr. Hazrat Usama bin Zaid radiyallahu ta'ala anhu relates that whilst travelling they went past a gathering in which Abdullah bin Ubay bin Sulul was also sat. At the time he had not become a Muslim, or rather he had not yet accepted Islam to conceal his hypocrisy. The gathering consisted of a mix of individuals. There were some mushrikeen, i.e. idolaters, Jews and Muslims who were all sat in this gathering and Hazrat Abdullah bin Ravaha radiyallahu ta'ala anhu was also among them. When the dust risen from the animal fell on the gathering, Abdullah bin Ubay bin Sulul covered his nose and said, perhaps addressing the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, that do not cast dust upon us. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, offered greetings of salam, i.e. peace, and got off the animal. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then invited him towards Allah the Almighty and recited the Holy Quran. Abdullah bin Ubay bin Sulul replied, There is nothing better than what you say. Or, perhaps he said, Is there nothing better you can say? The meaning, of course, depends how it was translated from the original text. Therefore, the original source needs to be consulted in order to determine exactly what he said. But in any case, he stated, that There is nothing better than what you say. However, do not come to our gathering and disrupt it. Rather, go back where you came from and inform those who come to you. Upon hearing this, Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha stated that, O Prophet of Allah, وسلم, you should come to our gatherings and recite this to us, as we greatly enjoy this. Consequently, the Muslims, the idolaters, and Jews began to quarrel with one another and were almost about to attack one another. 
However, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, continued to calm them down and advise them. Eventually they stopped, and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, mounted his animal and set off and reached as Asad bin Ubadah radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Upon reaching, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, asked as Saad bin Ubadah radiallahu ta'ala anhu that, O Saad, have you heard what Abu Hubab said to me today? The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was referring to Abdullah bin Ubay. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then related to him the entire incident. Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah radiallahu ta'ala anhu replied that, O Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, forgive him and overlook this act of his. For I swear by him who has revealed this book to you that Allah the Almighty has now established the truth here which he has bestowed upon you. The people here had already decided to appoint him, i.e. Abdullah bin Ubay, as their leader and to place the turban upon his head representing the crown for leadership. However, when Allah the Almighty did not allow this to happen, owing to the truth which God Almighty has revealed to you, he began to burn in his fire of jealousy. And so this is the reason why he uttered this. Upon hearing this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, forgave him. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and his companions, may Allah be pleased with them, would forgive the idolaters and the people of the book as commanded by God Almighty, and would demonstrate patience when they would cause them afflictions. Allah the Almighty states, وَلَتَسْمَعُنَّ مِنَ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابَ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ وَمِنَ الَّذِينَ أَشْرَكُوا أَذَنْ كَثِيرًا That is, and you shall surely hear many hurtful things from those who were given the book before you, and from those who set up equals to God. And then in another place, Allah the Almighty states, That is, many of the people of the book wish out of sheer envy from their own selves that after you have believed, they could turn you again into disbelievers. But forgive and turn away from them till Allah brings about his decree. Surely Allah has the power to do all that he wills. Indeed, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would deem forgiveness as the most appropriate recourse, just as God Almighty had commanded him to do so. But in the end, God Almighty granted the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, permission when he stood against them at Badr. God Almighty caused some of the prominent leaders among the disbelievers of Quraysh to be killed, and it was then that Abdullah bin Ubay bin Sulul and other idolaters began to claim that this indeed was an outstanding community. Subsequently, they pledged initiation to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, to adhere to Islam and became Muslims. However, their acceptance of Islam was only owing to fear because they realized that Muslims had won the Battle of Badr. Therefore, as I mentioned that some of the narrations may not have any direct link, however, I mention them so that we can also develop an understanding of the historical events of that time. 
Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmad Sahib has further related details in regards to Abdullah bin Ubay bin Sulul's character. He writes that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, gathered the Muslims and sought their counsel with regards to this attack of the Quraysh and that whether they should remain in Medina or set out to fight the enemy. Abdullah bin Ubay bin Sulul, who was actually a hypocrite, but after the Battle of Badr had become a Muslim at the outset, was also part of this consultative meeting. And this was the first occasion upon which the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, invited him to participate in consultation. Prior to beginning, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, mentioned the attack of the Quraysh and their deadly intentions. Then the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said, that last night in my dream I saw a cow, and I also saw that the tip of my sword had broken. Then I saw the cow being slaughtered, and I also saw that I had placed my hand in a secure and strong coat of mail. It has also been related in one narration the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated, that I saw as if I was mounted on the back of a ram. The companions inquired, O Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, how do you interpret this dream? The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied, that I have understood the slaughtering of the cow to infer that some of my companions shall be martyred. And it seems as if the breaking of the tip of my sword is an indication towards the martyrdom of someone from among my relatives. Or perhaps I shall suffer an injury during this campaign. And as for placing my hand in a coat of mail, I have understood this to infer that in order to fend off the attack, it is more appropriate for us to remain in Medina. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, interpreted this dream of himself being mounted on a ram to symbolize the leader of the army of the Quraysh, i.e. its flag-bearer, who would God willing be slain at the hands of the Muslims. After this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, sought the counsel of his companions as to what should be done in the current state of affairs. Upon weighing the pros and cons of the situation at hand, and perhaps being somewhat swayed by the dream of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, some of the prominent companions submitted the opinion that it was more appropriate to remain in Medina and fight. Abdullah bin Ubay bin Sulul, the chief of the hypocrites, proposed the same. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, also preferred this proposal and said, it seems more beneficial for us to stay in Medina and fight them. However, a majority of the companions, and especially those young men who had not participated in the Battle of Badr, and were restless to receive an opportunity to serve the religion, by means of their own martyrdom, were forcefully insisted that they should go forth from the city and fight in an open field. This group presented their opinion with such persistence that upon witnessing their zeal, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, accepted their proposal and decided that the Muslims would fight the disbelievers in an open field. And so, after the Friday prayer, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, publicly urged the Muslims to attain spiritual reward through jihad in the cause of Allah by participating in the ghazwa, i.e. the battle. Thereafter, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, retired to his residence, where he tied his turban, put on his equipment, and took his arms with the assistance of Hazrat Abu Bakr anhu and Hazrat Umar anhu, and then came out in the name of Allah. However, during this time, Due to the admonishment of Saad bin Muaz, the chief of the Aus tribe, and other prominent companions, the party of young men began to realize their mistake, in that they should not have insisted upon their own opinion in opposition to the view of Allah the Almighty's Messenger, 
and most of them were now inclined towards remorse. And so, when these people saw that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, coming with his arms, clad in double the armour and his helmet, etc., their regret grew even more. And so, they almost unanimously submitted that, O Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we have committed a mistake in insisting upon our own view over your own. They said that you should employ whatever strategy you deem most appropriate, and inshallah, God willing, it shall be most blessed. However, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied in great passion that it does not befit a prophet of God to put on his arms and then lay them down before God issues forth a verdict. He stated that it does not befit a prophet of God to put on his arms and then lay them down before Allah the Almighty issues forth a verdict. So go forth now in the name of Allah the Almighty and if you are steadfast then be certain that the help of Allah the Almighty shall be with you. After this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, instructed that three flags be prepared for the Muslim army. The flag of the Aus tribe was entrusted to Usaid bin al-Hudair and the flag of the Khazraj tribe was entrusted to Hubab bin Munzir and the flag of the Muhajireen was entrusted to Hazrat Ali Then after appointing Abdullah bin Umm Maktoum as the Imam al-Salat in Medina, and observing the Asr Salat, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, set out from Medina with a large community of the companions. The chiefs of the Aus and Khazraj tribe, Saad bin Muaz and Saad bin Ubadah proceeded along, running slowly just ahead of the mount of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And the rest of the companions moved forward position to the right, left and behind the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. The mountain of Ahad is situated approximately three miles to the north of Medina. At the halfway mark, at a place known as Sheikhan, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, halted and ordered an inspection of the Muslim army. The miners who had come along in their eagerness to participate in jihad were sent back. Accordingly, Abdullah bin Umar, Usama bin Zaid, and Abu Sayyid Khudri radiyallahu anhum, among others, were all sent back. Rafi bin Khadij was also the same age as these children but possessed great skill in archery and due to this quality of his his father interceded on his behalf before the Holy Prophet peace be upon him so that he may be permitted to participate in this jihad. When the Holy Prophet peace be upon him lifted his sights towards Rafi he took a firm stance at attention in the likeness of warriors so that he could appear strong and tall. As such this plan succeeded and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, granted him permission to ride along. Upon this, another child by the name of Samura bin Jundub, who had been ordered to return, went to his father and said, If Rafi has been granted permission, then I should be permitted as well, because I am stronger than Rafi and can put him down in a bout of wrestling. The father was overjoyed at the sincerity of his son, and both father and son presented themselves before the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and the father presented the desire of his son. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, smiled and said, All right then, let Rafi and Samura wrestle one another, so that we may determine who is the stronger of the two. 
Thus the competition took place, and Samora took hold of Rafi and threw him to the ground in an instant. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, granted Samura permission to come along as well, and this innocent child was delighted. Now that evening had arrived, Bilal radiallahu called the azan, and all of the companions offered their salat behind the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Then the Muslims set up camp for the night at this very place, and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, appointed Muhammad bin Masalma to arrange security for the night. Alongside a group of fifty companions, he circled the Muslim army and stood guard all night long. The following day, on the 15th of Shawwal 3 Hijri, or the 31st March 624 AD on Saturday, before dawn, the Muslim army marched forward and offering their salat en route, reached the foot of Mount Uhud at the start of the morning. It was on this occasion that the evil Abdullah bin Ubay bin Salul, chief of the hypocrites, betrayed the Muslims, and separating himself along with 300 followers, returned to Medina saying, that Muhammad وسلم, did not pay heed to my advice, and being swayed by inexperienced youngsters, he has come out of Medina. Hence, I cannot remain with him and fight. Some people admonished him of their own accord, saying that such betrayal was uncalled for, but he would not have it, and continued to say that if this was a battle, I too would have taken part, but this is not a battle, it is suicide. Now all that remained of the Muslim army was 700 souls, which was even less than a quarter of the 3,000 warriors of the Quraysh. In any case, the battle commenced, and there are various incidents and accounts in relation to this, which I shall relate in the next sermon, inshallah, God willing. I will now mention some details regarding a deceased member, respected Khwaja Rashiduddin Qamar Sahib, son of Mulana Qamruddin Sahib, and I will also be leading his funeral prayer in absentia. Khwaja Rashiduddin Kamarsai passed away at the age of 86 on 10th October after suffering from an illness. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. Surely to Allah we belong, and to him shall we return. Khwaja Rashiduddin Kamarsai was born in 1933 in Qadian, and as I mentioned earlier, he was the son of Mulvi Kamruddin Sahib. Hazrat Muslim Ta'ala appointed Mulvi Kamruddin Sahib as the first president of Majlis Khudamul Ahmadiyya. Khwaja Rashiduddin Kamar Sahib was the paternal grandson of Hazrat Mia Khairuddin Sahib Sikhwani and was the maternal uncle of our respected Amir Sahib UK. In regards to Hazrat Mia Khairuddin Sahib Sikhwani and his two brothers, the promised Messiah والسلام, has written in Anjamiyatam. But I am amazed at the love and sincerity shown by our Jamaat. Even persons with meagre income like Mia Jamaluddin, Khairuddin and Imamuddin of Kashmir who live near our village. Even these three brothers of meagre means who work as labourers and perhaps earn 12 or 16 pennies a day take part in monthly donations with great passion. The promised Messiah once made an appeal for Chanda and all three brothers contributed. Mentioning this, the promised Messiah states their contribution towards Jannah is indeed astounding and admirable, for they keep very little of the worldly wealth to themselves, much like the example of Hazrat Abu Bakr anhu, who brought everything he had in his home. And they have given precedence to faith over all worldly things, just as is stipulated in the conditions of the bath. And Khwaja Rashiduddin Kamar Sahib was among their progeny. After the partition, Khwaja Sahib served in the Pakistan Air Force for a short while and then moved to the UK in 1958, 
and worked in British Airways for 33 years. Since he had great passion to serve the Jamaat, he would arrange for his shifts to be at night during his employment so that he could serve the Jamaat during the day. He spent almost his entire life serving the Jamaat and served in various posts. He had the opportunity to serve as the first Qaid of Majlis Qudam al-Ahmadiyya UK and served at this office for seven years. At the time, all of the auxiliary organizations of Qudam al-Ahmadiyya around the world were under the central markaz and Khwaja Sahib was the first Qaid for the UK. Khwaja Sahib also had the opportunity to serve as General Secretary, Secretary Mal, Secretary Rishdanata, Secretary Amuriyama and Naib of Sajjal Sagar. Khwaja Sahib was a man of many qualities. He had great love for Khilafat and would show great respect towards the elders of the Jamaat, missionaries and office bearers of the Jamaat. He was an extremely pious person, very regular in offering his Tahajjud prayer, congregational prayers and in his contribution towards Sadqa and charity. He was very sociable, looked after the poor, showed great compassion towards children and showed respect to everyone, young and old alike, and was extremely devoted towards prayers. Khwaja Sahib was a Musi by the grace of Allah the Almighty and leaves behind his wife, a son and two daughters. And he also has one sister and three brothers. One of his maternal grandsons, Qasid Moin, who is a missionary of the Jamaat and is currently serving in MTA in al Hakam. Qasid Moin Sahib writes that every weekend we would spend at our grandfather's house and would stay there. Therefore, every week I had the opportunity to see him from very close. During my childhood, I would often sleep in his room and I observed that he would always offer nawafil before sleeping. And he would offer these nawafils in a most beautiful and peaceful manner. He would always wake up for the tahajjud prayer in the morning and would also wake us up for the fajr prayer. He further writes that I always found him to be extremely compassionate and had a very angelic personality. He never told us off, however I recall that once he told me off, when during the time of Hazrat Khalifatul Masih IV, rahimahullah, out of my innocence, I once asked him about the next Khalifa and who it will be. Upon this, my grandfather told me off and explained to me to not say such things. Thus, right from my childhood, this taught me a great lesson about the true status of Khilafat. Khwaja Sahib had an extraordinary loyal relationship with the institution of Khilafat and would regularly write to me. Even during the final days of his illness, he also came to visit me a few days before this tour and he had been diagnosed with cancer and had to go through a very painful treatment and illness. However, he endured this with great patience and steadfastness and explained everything to me with great courage. May Allah the Almighty grant him his forgiveness and mercy and grant him the company of his loved ones and also enable his children and future progeny to continue his good deeds.